Hello there, welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. We're joined today by the irrepressible James O'Toole, also by Mark Rossiter and Carl Shepherd, also part of the podcast today. Lots to discuss, the big Dublin derby on Monday night. Shamrock Rovers taking on Bohemians, the Cup semi-finals. Lots to look forward to there, two juicy Cup semi-finals. Sadly, Longford's relegation confirmed they're back in the first division and the playoff spots in the first division have been sorted. And we'll also hear from Vera Poe on the announcement of her squad for the upcoming qualifiers against Sweden and Finland. But as I said, the man who is irrepressible, which means he can't be pressed, is James <laughs> No, it doesn't. James O'Toole is with us. How are you, James? <laughs> <laughs> Did you go for the one word nobody can spell as well? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Not bad, Adrian. How are you? Good, good. You must be pretty pleased. Derry City closing in on third spot. That win over St. Pat's. Yeah, over the moon with it, considering that um, St. Pat's basically battered them for nearly 90 minutes. So, (laughs) over the moon with that one. Okay, well, we'll come on to that. We'll hear from Alan Matthews ahead of the, the Cup semi-final. Pats against Dundalk on Friday. And also Rory Higgins, his reaction to that win at the Ryan McBride Brandywell on Friday night. But let's start with Shamrock Rovers. A pretty comfortable, and that's really... Putting it mildly, a pretty comfortable 2-0 win over Sligo Rovers on Friday night. Danny Mandroyu scoring inside the opening 10 minutes. And Aaron Green also scoring in the first half. Delicate little chip over the advancing uh, McGinty in the Sligo Rovers goal, making it 2-0. And they hit the woodwork in total four times. Very, very convincing win. Let's hear now from Aaron Green of Shamrock Rovers. I think we showed our true character today. Didn't do ourselves any justice in the first few 25 minutes, I'd say, against Dundalk. And I think uh, today was completely different for us. So, uh, delighted. And you were right at it, right from the outset. You you really were at it, and you know a goal up after ten minutes, and you added the second. Yeah, it's what the manager spoke to us before the game, and to be set up right in transitions, and we can really hurt them in in their transition also. And we went back to attack with, uh, very aggressively and go straight through them. I think you're seeing that with Danny's goal; he takes it unbelievably well. Just so so uh, talented player, and then the awareness and quality that he shows to find me when we win it back also, and um, just delighted, but. To be honest, as I said to the journalists just there, I don't really care who scores. I know I'm a centre forward and I get judged on it and and that, but that's no problem. We just want to win. Clean sheet, and clean sheet again today is a massive because clean sheets win your leagues. Yeah, but you are being very modest. It was a lovely finish for, for oh, your goal, a lovely chipped finish no, over Ed McGinty. No, it was nice. I, I speak to here. I work with, for me, I work with the best goalkeeper in the country, Alan Manis, and he says that he's very good down when he got one on one, he spreads himself very low. I think you've seen the, some of the saves he said, uh, some of the shots he saved, excuse me, in the game, gets himself down very low. So um, when he came and spread, to be honest, when I think it looked like it went a little bit too high, but lovely to see it hit the back of the neck because I haven't scored a few but um, as I say I really couldn't care who scores once we get the win and uh, the three points and the clean sheet that's all that matters and it was a very clinical performance even hit the woodwork three times in the second half but of course it very quickly moves on to Monday and a huge game here mm. against Bohemians are you relishing that one again? Yeah massive they're the best games in the, they're the first game you look for in the calendar year when it comes out and um, uh, really much looking forward to it this place will be absolutely rocking I think on Monday night especially with us after winning um, today so we'll very much look forward to that we have to rest regroup now over the next few days and go back in and uh, assess balls and we look forward to it and just a word on Bohemians because they've had a hot and cold season so far they're still on the fringes of Europe but what have you made of them under Keith Long this year? Yeah they're really really good so they've got threats all over the pitch I think they've the top marksman at the, in the country at the minute Georgie Kelly and they've threat all over the pitch from their wingers their midfielders they're very good from set pieces so we'll respect them as we, all, we respect every opposition manager won't allow us to take a right off the ball and um, we'll give them the respect that they deserve and hopefully come with a game plan to go win the game 
There you go, that Darren Green of uh, Shamrock Rovers took his goal really well on Friday night. Mark, you were there, you were on duty for uh, Ocean FM. It was so easy, wasn't it, for Shamrock Rovers? Yeah, it was. The first half was, it, it was 2-0, but it should have been out of sight. Um, you know, whether you can put that to Sh- Shamrock Rovers been so good or Sligo been poor in the first half. But there was no intensity from Sligo in the first half. And Shamrock Rovers were the best that I've seen this year. And it was a terrific way from their perspective to bounce back, Carl, from the week before when they lost up in Dundalk. They didn't play particularly badly against Dundalk in the televised game, but they needed to get back on the horse and get back to winning ways. But it was all around a very impressive display from Shamrock Rovers on Friday. Uh, unbelievable. And you know what, if it was five or six, it, it wouldn't have flattered them at all. Um, the, I think the disappointing thing from Sligo's side is, you know, they're still fighting for third. And, you know, there didn't seem to be any fight in the first half. But second half, they came impressed as much as they could. But it was it was as professional as you could see from a team with Shamrock Rovers. You know, their, their squad depth, everything, they, they were fabulous all night. OK, well, let's hear from the Sligo Rovers manager. Here is Liam Buckley. I'm fair to Shamrock Rovers. Look at their league. They will be league champions for a reason. They're, they're the best team in the league. Uh, they passed the world very well tonight. Uh, they've outplayed us in the first half by a mile. Um, second half, I thought we came into a wee bit better, but listen, not enough to warrant anything out of the game. I thought they were worthy winners. And uh, from our point of view, with six games to go, you know, we've got to play better ourselves, um, especially with the running of games that we have. Um, we still have our eye in Europe, along with Dirty and Pats and everybody else for that matter, um, chasing us. So. Um, but we will need to play better media tonight. It's now just two wins in 14 games in all competitions. How do you explain the drop-off in recent weeks? Uh, yeah, just our quality in our play has dropped off. We have been down different players and every week we're down a few players. Greg Budge is missing this evening, Robbie McCarr is missing this evening. Great, well, he went off after 15 or 20 minutes. We played him at the start. He had a neck issue but it just didn't hold out. So, uh, But we're, every week we seem to be down and the squad that we have is fairly tight. That said, um, I do expect him to play better to be honest. What's the mood amongst the players? Is the drive there to, to nail down that European spot? They're all, they're all wanted. I can't, they're all trying, but it just our quality needs to be far better, you know, kind of way. Our quality needs to be far better than this evening. Uh, um, for the last few weeks, to be honest, um, we, haven't done, we haven't done enough. Um, barred a couple of games that we, I know we got a couple of wins a while back, but uh, we just need to play fundamentally better. If we don't, the quality, if we, our quality of play just isn't, hasn't been good enough over the last few weeks. Carl, that's Liam Buckley. The, the drop-off from Sligo Rovers in the last few weeks, in fact, in the last couple of months, has been remarkable. I think Sligo Rovers fans at this stage are very perplexed with the downturn in fortunes. They're still in third position, but on Friday night it was first against third. Sligo Rovers went to Tala back in May and were very fine and worthy winners over Shamrock Rovers. But on Friday night, the gulf between the two sides was, from a Sligo Rovers fan's perspective, alarming. Can you put your finger on why a club may have may drop off like that in the manner that Sligo Rovers have? No, look, I think for they've certainly missed two of probably their best performers for the last few weeks in Gary Buckley and Greg Bulger. Now, I know Gary came back into the team, but for me, Greg is the heartbeat of that team. He, you, if Again, I've said before, I actually have to listen on mute when Greg's playing because he speaks that much that <laughs> you, all you can hear is Greg Bulger, I suppose, throughout the game and he marshals people around him and he organises and he knows when to sit off and when to press and at the moment with Sligo I think the big thing is with the ball they look fine 
without it they're just so open and you can see that from Danny Mandrew's goal even the second goal when Aaron Green runs through there's they're just so open you can't actually see any of their fullbacks in either of the goals so for me it goes down to Greg Bulger being a huge miss and possibly I don't know if Liam takes a look at it but their training over the season it's possibly maybe slacked off at the moment because it does look like that they they are, I suppose, a good bit off what they were in the earlier parts of the season. All right. Uh, Mark, big game, of course, on Monday night. Shamrock Rovers against Bohemians. It's always one of the, the, the matches of the year in terms of every time they come face-to-face, be it at Dailyman Park or Tala, it's one for everyone to savour. Are you looking forward to it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's over the last couple of the years, it's been the biggest fixture that people look for. You know, when Mandrew was playing for for bowls and scoring worldies to win games um, you know everybody looks forward to it bit of bite in them always um, I'm fairly sure I kicked Carl once or twice but uh, <laughs> no it's 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 going to be a class game two two of the best performance sides in the league and uh, we'd be hoping for fireworks James are you expecting fireworks on Monday night? Yeah I mean expecting a really really good game you've seen the other night like Georgie Kelly is just on fire another late, late goal for um, Bowes to get a draw. But um, this game always produces something. It has done over the last little while where there was a, a run, I think, of about five or six games where Bowes were on top and now we're in a run of another four or five games where Rovers are on top. Um, it's a big, big game for both of them, especially for Bowes as far as a European position is concerned and for Rovers trying to get over that line and get those seven points they need. Um, these three points would be absolutely massive for them. The only one thing I would say, and it's a big bugbear of mine at the minute, Adrian, there's no wow. way fans in again. You tweeted about this at the it weekend as well. Really, it really annoys me so much that no away fans like we're allowed fans in, give a hundred, two hundred tickets over to the away fans, and then we get a right atmosphere. We missed out on that atmosphere for Pats versus Rovers, although some Rovers fans were in the ground. We missed out on the Dundalk Rovers game where no Rovers fans were in the ground. Yeah. And other clubs are doing it, letting fans in. I don't see why Rovers won't, but uh, that would add to the atmosphere, and that's where you'll get the fireworks and you'll get the atmosphere building. Um, it should be a cracking game. Any any Dublin derby under lights is going to be great, and hopefully tomorrow night it'll be absolutely brilliant. Carl, we generally expect Shamrock Rovers, of course, are going to stroll on and win the title, but they'd like to do it in style and lay down another marker en route and see off Bohemians, because obviously Bowles knocked them out of the cup as well. But Shamrock Rovers will want to do it in fitting in the fashion befitting of champions, won't they? So they'd love to do one on they'd love to put one over on, on Bowes tomorrow. Yeah, they would. Look, I I think Stephen Bradley will definitely be, I suppose, reiterating to his team about the times when Keith Buckley had the Bowes shirt over the corner flag saying, We're league champions, we can't be seeing this happening again. So if I was Stephen Bradley I'd almost have a picture of that in the dressing room beforehand just saying look this is what we're playing for that Bose will come here and it'll be I do think these games used to almost be just all about the, I suppose the passion and tackles flying in without great quality whereas I suppose that's why Mark was talking about kicking me a lot <laughs> it was uh, it used to be very much about that but you look at these games now they're a bit more open because both teams try and play the right way and Bowes will definitely fancy themselves of going up to Tala and I suppose getting a result and I do think that it'll be an open game and I can see goals but I do think Shamrock Rovers will will get the win and I suppose for Bowes it's, they're going through a slightly worrying patch of form Did he kick you a lot Carl by the way? Did <laughs> yeah, he, really, you know? he, he used to kick me as much as he could anyway <laughs> <laughs> Never <laughs> 
And what's your expectation of Bowes? Because obviously, as James mentioned there a few moments ago, a one-all draw with Dundalk. They needed yet another goal from Georgie Kelly. A late penalty, four minutes from time. Dundalk in front through Ben Amar, but it ends up being 1-1, Mark. But what do you expect from Bowes? Because as James mentioned as well, they have that European place in their sights in terms of third. And that's a right old battle between Sligo Rovers and obviously Derry hot on the heels of Sligo Rovers. But Bowes also very much in the mix Still, obviously, of course, have the, the Cup semi-final to come as well. But what are you expecting from Bowes in terms of their determination to try and ensure they qualify for Europe via the league? Well, I think that the, the goal from Georgie is huge because otherwise Dundalk was back on points with them, I'm fairly sure, yeah. Um, so that was huge to keep them away because Dundalk have hit a bit of form, let's say. So then it's them, Derry... Um, as well as Sligo but yeah it was, it was a huge goal and, and as well coming into the game uh, against Shamrock Rovers on a draw that you're after winning a point rather than coming in on a loss is, is, is huge as well um, yeah, but I'd still, I'd still I'd still found Shamrock Rovers to, to win I, I fear for them because during the year they were, they were playing at a level and to me to look at the other night they, they, they went to a different level completely so, so you'd actually be worried for Bohemians, would you? Yeah, I would. I, I just think as the league has gone on, they've got the best squad. And like in the 65th minute, they made three subs. They brought on Ferugia, Sean Hoare and Chris McCann. And the, the Gaffney came on with 15 to go. Like they're, they're on paper, they're frightened. And I just wonder as well, Mark, obviously it's a big week for Bohemians because I mentioned that the Cup semi-final taking on Waterford at home on Friday night. Will that play on the minds of Trevor Crawley and obviously Keith Long in terms of team selection or will they roll out their, their full strong 11 for the Shamrock Rovers game? What do you think? I'd expect them to play their full strength 11. You know, they never look beyond when, when they lost against Waterford during the um, the Powak games. They, they were just there going, no, it's all about Waterford. It's it's the Waterford game. I don't want to talk about anything else. And, and I think he'll approach it in the same manner most important game is this game and three points so um, the cup game will look after itself in a couple of days alright well let's focus on the cup semi-finals both of them of course taking place on Friday night before we chat about those St. Pat's were in action at the Ryan McBride Brandywell on Friday night they lost out 1-0 to Derry City Junior with the only goal Danny Lafferty of Derry and Ronan Cochran of Pat's uh, both sent off late on in the match we'll hear from Alan Matthews the St. Pat's uh, manager very shortly but first the Derry City boss Rory Higgins That's a huge one um, I don't think we were overly good, but uh, I think guts and courage and, and um, drive got us over the line tonight. And, and um, just the togetherness in the group, I thought, shone through. Um, we've played against an exceptional team who causes major problems at times throughout the game, but we rode the storm at times and, and managed to grind out a, a, a really exceptional result. Alan, can you somehow begin to explain how you've come away with nothing from that game tonight? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. The result is obviously very disappointing. Um, how we didn't get anything out of the game is beyond me. Uh, the keeper gets man of the match and probably deservedly so. Um, although, first half, we probably should have been a little bit more clinical. And even in the second half, a couple of chances that we had, um, we weren't clinical. And when you give teams an opportunity to stay in the game, um, they'll take advantage of it. And good bit of quality from them. And they scored. So... We're very disappointed with the result, but a lot of the uh, the facets of our play 
this evening was very, very good, and we'll take those positives into next week. And all eyes on that cup clash now next Friday night, and your only chance now of, of getting some silverware. Yeah, well, there was two trophies to play for this year, the league and the, and the FAI Cup. Um, we're still in contention for one. Um, we think that it's you know going to be a very, very difficult game for anyone next week, us and them. But if we play and if we play to our potential, we fancy ourselves against anyone. Um, it's a one-off game. We're at home. and We'd like to think that we'll have a, a very partisan crowd behind us um, and it's going to be a good occasion. But ultimately, we want to win. If there's any game that your performance doesn't matter, but the result does, is the semi-final of a cup. So we want to make sure that we get the right result and hopefully we can do it with a performance. But certainly, we'll, we'll take great heart from tonight. As I say, we're disappointed with the result. We're disappointed with the concession of the goal. But some of our play and the way we went about it with the ball, without the ball, was very satisfying. And we'll take that into next week's game. And we look forward to that. That's Alan Matthews, the St. Patrick's Athletic Manager. So a disappointing result on Friday night for Stevie O'Donnell and his team beaten by Derry City by a goal. Now let's focus, shall we, on the Cup semi-finals. And let's start with Pats against Dundalk taking place at Richmond Park on Friday night. It's a very tight one to call, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. Stevie knows how Dundalk play better than anybody. Um the only problem for him is Dundalk have hit a bit of form. You know, they're beat Shamrock Rovers, um, so they're capable of beating anybody. Um, it's going to be a tough game. Very tough game for yeah. them. What do you reckon, Carl? Yeah, it's one I'm actually heading down to. And I just think experience tells in these big games. I think if you look at Dundalk, they've been there, they've done it. And again, in the big games, they always seem to turn it on. It's against Shamrock Rovers. They were very good. And you speak. You hear Alan Matthews speaking there. It's the performance doesn't really matter. It's about the result. And I always just think that this Dundalk team will be able to get a result in this game rather than I suppose putting in a great performance. You've seen in Europe they were able to do the same thing where in the big games they come alive and they have players who have been there before. Whereas this Pats team is, I suppose it's only really. I know Stevie's been there more than a year, but it's only kind of his stamp on this team for a year and they've not been in the big occasions before. So I do fancy Dundalk to go there and win the game. Yeah, and Europe has to be a big driver, of course, for Dundalk given their situation, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Like, you look at Dundalk, they're, they'll be in big trouble, possibly financially, if they don't get Europe this year and they really, really need to win this game again, for possibly for who knows how where it'll leave the club if they don't because... They do have a very big wage bill and everyone knows that I suppose the driving behind the driving factor in terms of finance in this league is getting to Europe. James, what what are you expecting from that game at Richmond Park on Friday night? Because Pats have had a fine season. Getting to a cup final for Stevie O'Donnell will be absolutely massive. But Dundalk's form in recent weeks, that win over Shamrock Rovers, obviously they would have been disappointed to have coughed up a late goal at Dalyman Park on Friday night. But, but they've really turned a corner in recent weeks, haven't they, Dundalk? They have indeed, and to tell you the truth, up until the, what was the 91st minute the other night against Bowes, I, I, I was looking at the fixtures going ahead, and I actually felt they could have actually crept either fourth or even third place at the, the way they're ticking along at the moment. And I think the league, Vinny wouldn't be looking at the league as a European spot gone out of place, despite how far back they are now. But um, the Cup is massive for them. We've said the Cup is going to be massive for them for weeks. St. Pat's have been all right in the Cup since they, they broke that duck a number of years ago in 2013 or 2012. But um, 
they've been they've been going good in the cup and they usually get to a semi final or a quarter final anyway, so it'd be great for Stevie O'Donnell. This is his first full season, so it'd be great for him to get to a cup final at the end of it. It's gonna be a really, really, really tight game, I I I would suggest. Um, with two teams really going at each other and it'd be interesting to see how Stevie O'Donnell matches up to them, especially in a, a knockout game, as it were. It'll be interesting to see does he hold back a little bit or does he just go from from the very start? Yeah, and just for the just for the hell of it, because as you say, it, it's hard and tight to call. I'm gonna go with a Dundalk vote on this one, a, a narrow Dundalk one. What, what, what would you go for? Which of the two teams would you go for, James? I'm I'm gonna go for. I am actually gonna go for Dundalk. I think Dundalk are gonna make whoever finishes in fourth place lose out of place in Europe because I think they will actually go on to win the cup. Okay, all right, that's very decisive, Carl. Yeah, I, again, I actually think Dundalk will go on and win the cup as well. I think, as I said, they do have the experience and it just tells. In big games, experienced players know how to win and know when to... Even I go back to the Greg Bulger one, he's an experienced player and you see what what that does to even a Sligo team. So big occasions call for big players and Dundalk have plenty of them. So three votes for Dundalk for Friday night. Mark... Are you going to make it a clean sweep or are you going to buck the trend and go for St. Pat's to progress to the final? I, I fancy Dundalk like the rest to, to win the cup as well. Um, you know, Carl said they're wow. the big game players. You know, it could be a night for Pat Holben. Um, yeah, I fancy them to, to win and go on and win the cup. Interesting. Now, what about the other semi-final, Bohemians against Waterford? And I'll tell you what, Mark, we'll, we'll start with you on this one because Waterford, the upturn in their fortunes... Is, recent weeks under Mark Bircham has been something to behold and they'll approach this tie albeit a very difficult one and they would dearly have loved to have the match played at the RSC rather than going to Dailyman Park and were Waterford to make it to the final they would bring huge support to the final at the Aviva Stadium anyway that's for another day the question is can they go to Dailyman Park and topple Bohemians absolutely they've nothing to lose literally um, they've been a breath of fresh air since uh, Bircham came in you know, he's instilled confidence in the players. He's brought in a, a hand-select players of young lads. And they're they're very good to watch. I've seen them play down the RSC against Sligo and they played them off the pitch. And won one nil I think, on the day. Um, but yeah, they're they're very capable of beating anybody. And I'd say the form guide, they're in the top three. Um, like, for about for the last 10 games. So, um, they're very capable of beating both. Yeah, and, and, and Carl as well. The biggest win, not just in terms of the margin, but the biggest win of the weekend. Now, admittedly, it was coloured somewhat by two goals in injury time from John Martin and Junior. Just, you know, give the scoreline a nice gloss. But a 4-1 win over Finn Harps, given given the way the league is at the moment in, in terms of clubs trying to avoid that relegation playoff spot. In terms of the league, that was a significant win on Friday night. So they'll be going into the Cup semi-final against Bowles full of confidence, no doubt. It was that that win was absolutely massive for them. Again, if they didn't win that, there a gap starts to appear between them and Finn Harps, and Finn Harps can start to pull away, and then it's, I suppose, Finn, uh, for Waterford, it's possibly starting to look at being resigned to the playoff. But now they're very much alive in the league to catch Finn Harps, and still even possibly Dundalk. I know Dundalk are what four points away, but Dundalk have played an extra game than them, so. That, that was a huge win for them and it's fantastic for them going into I suppose a big huge game against Bowes because they've absolutely nothing to lose all the pressure is on Bowes going into this game given that Bowes have lost in the semi-final before they've been building for years as opposed to Mark who's just come in and, and done absolutely fantastic in the league since he has Yeah James 
what way would you you fall? This is, by the way, the, the live game on RT2 television on Friday night, Bohemians against Watford. I mean, the smart money would suggest balls, but I just have a sneaky feeling that maybe there's going to be an upset on Friday night. I'm going to give Watford the vote here. Yeah, Adrian, I don't think you're, you'd be too far off. I think, like, I've watched Waterford a good few times live, actually, and they've been really, really impressive, especially Phoenix and Junior in particular are two handfuls. And I watched the game against Pats in Richmond a while ago, and they were really, really good, and the Pats defence really didn't know how to handle both of them. Um, I think Mark Bircham has done a wonderful job since he came in, considering the mess that the club was in before he actually got there. He settled everything down. He's got the players he wants on the pitch. We've been saying this for a number of weeks now. He's just short of Finn Harps ahead of him. Um, he could well close that gap for them. And if Friday night goes for them, the way Friday, last Friday night went down in the RSC, they could cause an upset. And I'm sure Keith Long and Trevor Crawley and the backroom staff there at Bowes are going through this team with a fine tooth comb just to make sure they don't leave any little piece Un, un, not looked at and, and examined before the game because this one has the potential to be a, a stumbling block for Bowes and if it is and you get a award for Dundalk final the crowds in the Aviva will be unbelievable it'll be a great great day out and uh, it'll be fully deserved to tell you the truth and as I said it's 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 a knockout game go out and do whatever you can it'll be a tight game I think uh, hopefully it'll be a good game because you said it's live on RT2 um, but yeah, this could be where the upset is. Yeah, Mark, Mark, just on Bohemians, because obviously people have heaped praise on Bohemians and what they've done in terms of the work in the community in the last few years. And obviously on the pitch, players generally, and in, and in Europe, of course, this year, uh, producing the goods. But silverware, that's what's been lacking for all involved with Bohemians for the last couple of years. They'll have to be looking at the cup this time around and bringing a trophy finally back to Dalyman Park after a gap of a fair few years now at this stage. I mean, you see the four teams there, you know, both had fancied themselves winning the Cup. They've they've done really well in the Aviva in Europe, um, so the players will be comfortable playing there, provided they get there. But um, it'll be interesting to see how the game against Shamrock Rovers takes its toll on the team. Um, it's a huge game before that, before that Waterford game coming on the Friday. So if... If if it's a game that I'm not saying if they get hammered, I I don't mean it like that. But if if it's a very intense game, boys are going in a little bit tired into the game on Friday night. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Monday goes before before the game on Friday. Okay, well, two fascinating FAI Cup semi-finals, both on Friday night. St. Pat's taking on Dundalk and Bohemians at home to Watford. Uh, that game, of course, as mentioned, live on RT2 television. I guess, Carl, the writing's been on the wall for some time for Longford, but confirmation, relegation for Dara Doyle and for Longford Town. They're heading back, straight back to the first division, beaten on Friday night by Drogheda United. Dara Markey and Mark Doyle with the goals, Drogheda 2, Longford Town nil. It's always sad when a team makes the drop, but as I mentioned, it's it's been coming for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it is. Look, I think you could see from very early on that they were going to struggle because... Again, you let goals in one end and you don't score enough in the other. It's, it doesn't bode well. And again, they've been cut adrift for a long time now. And they just, again, Darius had such a tough job there because, again, I suppose when you compare the finances of his team compared to everyone else, they're a million miles off in comparison to what's around them. You look at the, for a while there, it was Dundalk that were the next team above them. So they have been, I suppose, cut adrift for a long time and the writing has been on the wall and it's just, 
all but secured now that they're that next year they'll be a first division team. Mark, your your thoughts on Longford Town making yeah. making their exit from the Premier Division? You know what? In fairness, I've seen them play a good good few times this year, and they've been unlucky. You know, they played against Shamrock Rovers and conceded, I think, in three games in, in injury time. Um, but but that's the difference, you know, from from top and bottom. You know, the Carl just said they're not scoring enough, and look, you're you're going to struggle if you don't keep clean sheets. And more often than not, they concede more than one. So, you know, it's it's disappointing for them. If he can keep the squad together, they'll they'll challenge next year. Um, they're young, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the off season for them. Okay, well, in the first division over the weekend, Bray Wanderers won. Cabin Tilly two. Kevin Knight and a Mark Byrne on goal for Cabin Tilly. Connor Clifford had given Bray Wanderers the lead at the Carlisle Grounds. Shelburne had an off night. Their uh, second defeat of the season, beaten in Cove by two goals to nil. David O'Leary and Daniel O'Connell. Galway 2-1 winners over Wexford. Walsh and Hurley with the goals for uh, John Caulfield's side. Treaty United 1, Athlone Town 1. Uh, James Duna for Athlone Town. Kieran Hanlon from the penalty spot for Treaty. And UCD 1, Cork City 0. Under 21 international. Column Whelan with the only goal just before half time. So obviously, Shelburne champions, they're on their way back to the Premier Division. But the playoff spots, James, they've been sorted out now. Galway, UCD, Treaty, and Bray. And I guess we should start with Treaty because that's a magnificent achievement by all concerned with Treaty making it to the playoffs. Oh, it's absolutely wonderful. We've been we've been flagging this up over the last couple of weeks how many points they needed and it looked as if they'd get that position. But that penalty in the markets field the other night was what secured for them. And it, it, it's some turnaround for them, in fairness. We were saying, what, they had a week to put together a team, I think, or maybe maybe eight days to put together a team. And for them to finish fourth in the league, um, well, maybe, if they finish fourth, they might get even place up, maybe not. But um, to get that playoff place is absolutely fantastic. Shelburne, well ahead. As soon as I said my bet was there, obviously they were going to start losing games, but that's just the way it goes. Um, UCD, they've got a quality goal scorer there, so... Galway, exactly where John Caulfield said he'd like to finish. Obviously, he wanted to win the league, but the, the next best thing is in that playoff positions. And uh, we're going to have two really, really good playoff games coming up, um, depending on which way they're drawn. Galway, UCD, Tree and Bray. Um, very, very, very good good games, I think. And Carl, do you think of the four sides that have that made the playoffs, and obviously there's still so much football to be played in the Premier Division, so in that relegation spot, be it... Watford, be it Finn Harris, be it Dundalk, be it Drada, whoever it might be, do you think the four first division sides that are involved in the playoffs have enough to beat the Premier Division outfit that they will ultimately face? Or is it too big a gap? I think it is a very big gap, but again, I think they'd be hoping to get Finn Harps. Uh, Again, I think you look at Waterford, how they've been playing, they've been playing very, very well. I do think against Finn Harps at times... Finn Harps can battle and scrap but at times they sort of lack a, a tiny bit of quality and that's why I think they'll be hoping to get Finn Harps in that game whether if it, especially if it's a John Caulfield team I know what John will be like he'll very much make sure that his team can match the fight if if they can get that far that is but it is a big ask for them because again the teams down the bottom of the Premier Division are very very strong this year in comparison to other years Alright James the Unite the Union Champions Cup is back in the calendar, uh, Shamrock Rovers will face the second team in the Premier Division on the 
Northern side of things, the uh, Irish League champions from 2020-21. Linfield will take on second place, Coleraine, and then the two winners. So Chamrock Rovers and the second uh, place team will meet. And obviously Linfield will take on Coleraine. And then the two winners will meet in a one-off decider at the Aviva Stadium on the 4th of December. Are you looking forward to the resumption of the United Union Champions Cup? Because, of course, it didn't take place last year. Yeah, really looking forward. It's interesting to see how far Chris Shields has gone to make sure he retains a trophy anyway. But uh, <laughs> it's just as you said there, Adrian, like, it's a, such a convoluted way of getting around it. Like, who plays who? When does it play? I know there's been a lot of questions. get through it there. <laughs> yeah. Shamrock Rovers are already talking about, well, we won't play this in December. Can we have it in January and use it as a pre-season warm-ups and stuff like that? Considering... The league, I think, is due to start back on the 11th of February, maybe, that early in February. Um, I think it's a good idea. I I, I love these cross-border um, competitions. I love the Satanta Cup when it first came about. But I think, as with everything, people are going to be looking after their own back here. And the, the unfortunate thing about it is the timing of it. We've already got one of our teams who are definitely in it, in the semi-final of it complaining about the timings of the fixtures which is which is fair to them because it means there's not that much of a break between November and them games in December so players don't get time to rest but uh, I think if that can be worked out I think it's a very good competition and maybe over the years we could add a couple of more teams to it. Carl, unite the union, what do you reckon? <laughs> yeah look I think the as James said there the, fanta- uh, the Stanford Cup was fantastic it was a great tournament and it was used very well as in it was in pre-season. It was a great time. It got you right up to, I suppose, right up to match fitness for when we used it in the League of Ireland against, obviously, the teams up north. But now it's been penciled in at this oddest of times that I can see, like, right in the middle of a player's off-season where they're starting to recharge their batteries, shutting down, and they'll only have just, I suppose, at this point, be maybe finished two, three weeks. I think... I'd be very, very surprised if any team from the League of Ireland anyway puts out a a team that is not an under-19s team or under-17s team because it's going to disrupt your whole off-season. You're probably asking for injuries to come back in the middle of your off-season and just play a one-off game. I think it's the a very, very oddly timed game. I, I put it that way, and that's been very kind to it because it's in the middle of your off-season. You're completely shut down for a couple of weeks. Your body's just getting ready to go again for the next season and before you can even think about next season you're being asked to play another 90 minutes in the Aviva. But that would diminish the integrity of, of what this is intended to be, wouldn't it? It would, but again it comes down to I suppose the scheduling of it. I I know both sides will be saying that they want to have it when they're both at their strongest and I do think that it, it can be done but I'd probably look at, at, at let's say late January as, as a time to put it in because the last week possibly before the season, the season kicks off is probably in around the right time for it as our our teams will be getting up to scratch and I just think that if you if you do it in late or it's at the start of December League of Ireland teams are going to have to either stay on and train for an extra three, four weeks or come back in the middle of their off-season and again, it's in the League of Ireland there could be players who have potentially jobs lined up for the off-season or there could be holidays and possibly even surgeries lined up for the off-season players can be putting off getting surgeries because I suppose they're going on in the middle of the season but looking at it now it's just a very oddly timed very oddly timed decision to play it then. Mark what's your view of this cross-border competition? 
Ah, yeah, look, I'd be in favour of it, yeah. But, you know, Linfield would be saying the same thing if the game was in June. So I'd, I'd agree completely with Carl there. I think um, a week before the season start would be the right time to play it. Um, you know, the Northern Irish teams are, what, seven seven months into their league at that stage. So it's it's not interfering with anybody then. But I think December's a, a non-runner from a League of Ireland point of view. And what about this notion as well that, um, Mark, that the, the League of Ireland season, the schedule of the season may take a break when there are international games, that they're looking at the, the possibility that next year, because we've had so many postponements because of international call-ups, so rather than scheduling fixtures for weeks when there are international games on, be it under 21 or senior, they're looking at having the league having breaks on those particular weeks. Is that a good thing? Because there's been a fair bit of disruption to the league in terms of fixtures having to be rescheduled, particularly because of under 21 internationals. It's it's It can be looked at from every aspect, I suppose. I know that's the most rhetorical thing to say, but it's, it's great to see so many internationals in the league, number one. Um, I, I don't think they should postpone games unless there's a good number of players gone. That's what your squads are there for. But, um, you know, like if it is a case of four or five players, absolutely. But, um, no, I don't think that should change, really. What do you think, Carl? Because uh, one of the, well, James talked about his bugbear at the start about the the away fans. Uh, One of my big bugbears from the last couple of years is matches being postponed, not so much you know, due to international call-ups, but, but more so with teams playing in Europe. So you have the league champions and the, the fixtures are rolled out and then X amount of games are postponed because they're involved in Europe and it just creates this backlog of, of fixtures and you get this, this pile-up of fixtures. What do you think of, of the scheduling of, of matches in the, in the, in the calendar? Yeah, uh, definitely always around the time of Europe games get called off and I suppose rescheduled, which... I think for I suppose the top teams it, it it tends to be okay, but it always tends to be uh, uh, the, the teams who are around the bottom always tend to suffer from that. That they they don't have the squad depth that let's say a Shamrock Rovers will have, who will have no bother sending out two different teams towards the end of the season, where teams w- towards the bottom won't be able to do that. But I, I do think that having I suppose a scheduled break is needed because you look at the amount of internationals we now have in the league of whether albeit under 21 internationals or first team internationals again you look at let's say someone like Danny Mandrew I think he's only one or two good games possibly now from getting a call up as well so I do think that the league is progressing and that we do have I suppose plenty of internationals in it that I suppose it is worth having these scheduled breaks so that again the, the fixture list can be put up early in the season and we'll know okay there won't be that many games called off Do you think he's that close Danny Mandrew? Yeah I do I think look, his form the last couple of weeks has been fantastic I think he's I suppose against Sligo he almost single-handedly in the first half made sure that they went on to win that game because he was fantastic but he he's gone on from another level from where at the start of the season I thought he had done very well in terms of his all around playing is pressing but the last few weeks I think he has gone up another level Yeah Adrian I didn't know you were going to list out our bugbears on this this episode because I have a long long list if you want me to get into it but um, yeah like the, the issue here is that the league is not being proactive to what's happening with fixtures there was a great man Michael Hayes once who looked after the fixtures of the league and that was that was his baby and off he went like like we're having a discussion here between four people and we can already tell you that putting a fixture like that in December is not going to work. 
and it's not going that, that's not going to happen. So what needs to happen is they need to be proactive. They need to look down at the whole season. They need to look at where Europe will be, where internationals will be, how many players this season went off in internationals. Did we really need to cancel games because of internationals because one player was missing here or one player was missing there? All this needs to be looked at and then come back with a proper fixture list, one that doesn't change, one that doesn't move about, one that doesn't see us coming towards the end of the season like with six games to go where teams still have games to play that they haven't been able to put in during the season. And I think that's where the FEI need to go with this. They need someone to look at that as a whole and not just look at season 2022 needs to look at season 2023 and 2024 and then plan it out that way so it works because there's a lot that can work in this league and I think this is one of the things where fans who were trying to attract the league this is where they look at it going well that game's on there oh actually it's not and that, that that's where the attraction of the league kind of slips down a bit I think and if we had someone professional in there doing it I think we could look at this over the next three or four seasons and lay it out straight away how many bugbears have you got? Give us one other one just, oh, just while you're, don't, while don't you're get, on a roll. Don't get me started. No, I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> I've got to go back into work now. <laughs> yeah. All right, listen, we let the lads go. Carl Shepherd and Mark Rossiter, many thanks for joining us on the RT Soccer Podcast. Uh, James Piemont looking good for the title. Another win, surely on their way to the Women's National League title. 4-0 over Athlone Town. And another interesting story over the course of the last few days, Eileen Gleeson leaving her role as uh, assistant manager with the Republic of Ireland women's national team. She's going to take over as manager of Glasgow City. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's a great move for Eileen, to tell you the truth. Like, we know Eileen from the, the league here. She's she's done really, really good work coming up through the leagues. How many people who are now internationals, full senior internationals, started out with Eileen as some form of a mentor towards them? It's great for Eileen. And she, like, Glasgow City, usually Champions League teams, but... Um, like usually in the Champions League, the likes of Claire Shines there. Claire Shines absolutely flying with them now at the minute. Now she's back in the squad. Um, so it's it's a very good move, and it's a move to seize her, pit herself up against some other really really good managers in what is a full time professional league. So uh, it's a good move for her. The only thing I will say, the timing of it seemed a bit odd because it came out in the morning of a squad announcement. But fair play to Eileen. I hope she does absolutely wonderful work over there, and it'll be a great move for. Her. Yeah. Very best of luck to Eileen Gleeson with Glasgow City. Vera Poe named her squad for the upcoming qualifiers against Sweden and Finland. 27 players in the squad. Mind you, several notable absentees, lots of absentees actually, including Kiva Queen and uh, Clara Reardon also out, Megan Campbell, Risha Littlejohn, Isabel Atkinson and Hayley Nolan. And there are others too, Claire Shine not available either. But let's hear from Vera Poe about the squad announcement. She's been speaking to our soccer correspondent, Tony O'Donoghue. Um, fantastic, and I hope that uh, the fans and especially uh, the, the the children that they will be really really loud. But because I always feel that their voices will really move move us further and help us through the difficult times. So, well, you had a crowd back for the the last game against Australia and a, a very good result as well. And yeah. I suppose that's what you're hoping for into the future. Yeah, of course, it gives such a different atmosphere again, and we've enjoyed it so much. And of course, the result helped, but. They had, a, they had a part in that result. Uh, they, they need to realize that the fans are so important to us and fill our heart with energy. Um, and you could feel that in the stadium. You feel that the energy is there and that we could go on and on and on. Uh, so. How important was the result, though, for the 
with the squad as well and giving them belief because you have been playing teams that were ranked higher than you up to that. Yeah, we, we always had the belief that we were on the right track uh, because every single game we performed better and everybody has seen that. But because they were ranked so high, we just lost with one or two goals. And of course you need a win to boost that belief. We knew that we were on the right track, but having this, this win and even the scrimmage, the three times 25 minutes that we played against Australia, we won also. So having two of those wins brings the, well, again, I would say brings the energy to keep going in the way that we are going and to be open for new things. And if there's any fear of failure, to get rid of that because if you have any fear of failure you do not succeed and that is why we always well we're looking for the challenge we could play lower ranked teams we had the opportunities and they said no because we want to grow to another level and uh, it's it's great to see that the talent in this squad is so big that they immediately adapt the level you have to get to straight away though sweden are ranked number two in the world yeah uh, very strong but they come to dublin and then you follow that up with a game uh, in Finland, so it's yeah. a tough start. It is very tough. It's the draw to UEFA because we didn't uh, set our own uh, schedule. We couldn't get to an agreement with the other countries. So, yeah, it's a tough start. But on the other hand, I'm always like, well, you better have them in the, at the start. Then you, you keep going from there and um, maybe we can surprise one or two things. Now, you have had news today that uh, your assistant, Eileen Gleeson, will be yeah. leaving you shortly. She's uh, going to go to Glasgow. It's a great yeah. opportunity for her. Yeah. And she will be involved for those first two games, but she's going to be a, a big loss to you as well. Yeah, um, Eileen has been a, a major part of our programme. Um, she took care of all the Irish-based uh, situation. I took more care of the players on the other parts of the world. But Eileen and I grew to a situation that we can read and write with each other. In top sport, it's by time so intense that um, you need to, to get through phases, a stormy phase to come to a situation that under the highest pressure you understand each other with, with one, one glance, thank you, one glance, <laughs> I learned a new word here, um, that you understand each other. Uh, against Australia, you only had to look at each other, she, she two words, I two words, we understood, done. And we took the decision. Now I need to well, grow again with uh, with somebody. But on the other hand, when she told me, I was so happy for her. There, there's nobody who deserves it more than than Eileen. Her her thinking on abstract level is is phenomenal. We will miss that. We'll miss her laugh. We will miss her heart. We will miss her vibes in the in the team. We will miss her contribution on the pitch. Remember, she always took care of the op op opposition side. So all those players of the bench were learning and learning and learning because of her coaching. Uh, she did the presentations about the op opposition. She did the free kicks. She did, she did so much. Um, and we need to find somebody to replace it. But I hope that she will get all the success over there. Uh, it's football, uh, I'm gutted, but let's celebrate this move because it's good for Irish football and especially it's so good for her and she deserves it. And finally, Vera, as you, you stand on the, the brink of a new campaign, a World Cup qualifying campaign, uh, are you dreaming of, of leading Ireland to the, the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand? <laughs> Maybe every night I'm dreaming about it. Uh, it is, um, yeah, it's such a challenge. And can you, can you see it in front of you? We're going to that second place, we have playoffs. Maybe we get it immediately, but maybe we need to go to the tournament in Australia and New Zealand and getting it over there. I mean, it's 
massive. My dreams are full of that and of the players also. Um, let's go for it and let's see how we, how we start. We do, will do everything in our power to put down an even better performance than last time. And good luck to Vera Poe and everybody involved with the Irish women's national team ahead of those World Cup qualifiers against Sweden and Finland. James, that's about all we have time for on the podcast today. Uh, enjoy the Cup semi-finals on Friday and we'll uh, chat soon, no doubt. No doubt. Thanks, Adrian. Until the next time, bye-bye.